0: myoho 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 Hi, friends. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds you well and secure. Um, we're continuing with the uh, Bestowal of Prophecies chapter of uh, Leon Hurwitz's translation of the Lotus Sutra. And he will continue with Maudgalyayana. Maudaglayana, Maudgalyayana. Mouthful. At that time, the world honored one again declared to the great multitude I now tell you that this great Mount Galayana, with divers implements, shall make offerings to eight thousand Buddhas, doing them deference and honor. After the Buddhas' extinction, for each he shall erect a stupa mausoleum whose height Shall be a thousand Johannas, whose length and breadth shall be five hundred Johannas, and which shall be filled with gold, silver, vidruya, Duria, giant clamshell, agate, pearl, and carnelian, these precious seven. With a multitude of flowers, garlands, painted sour- powdered scents, burning incense, cotton canopies, and banners, he shall make offerings. When that time is past, he shall again make offerings to 200 myriads of millions of Buddhas in the same way and shall be able to achieve Buddhahood. So what is that about? What do you think it's about? So, I've already explained how when uh, Shakyamuni speaks this way, these offerings, these, uh, what does he call them? Yeah, shall make offerings to 8,000 Buddhas that's the uh, Janet Buddha, the Sylvain Buddha, the the uh, Frank Buddha, the uh, uh, Pradip Buddha, uh, the Markita Buddha. The, in other words, all sentient minds that he encounters. In this case, the first eight thousand. He doesn't say first. He says eight thousand. But you'll see that it's the first. His. Showed you his practice, his support and assistance to 8,000 people seems like a lot of people. And when each of them is extinct, in other words, when their samsaric physical body dies and therefore their perception, their experience of Buddha is extinct because it can only happen in the mind. Hmm? I just did a short 60-second video on where the Buddha, where hell is. It's in the mind, right? Buddhism is about the mind, attitude, and intent. How can you have attitude and intent if you're no longer living? Then the support of your brain, your consciousnesses, your mind, no longer there. So your experience is extinct. Right? It's not a place. It's an experience, something... Experienced, and only the mind can do that. So when the body dies, the Buddha ness, the Buddha experience, extinct. So this is a very simple statement. He will not let all of those people, even if they don't attain full enlightenment, but they get on the path. They start to learn. They start to learn. They chant, for instance. They learn Gongyo, and they're tickling their buddhaness. They're opening their gohonzon mind so that they can open the buddha eye and they begin to alter their lives. Just because they don't course 24 hours in the day in buddhaness doesn't fault them for that. They have entered the way. And so each of them, all 8,000, he will, what does it mean to erect stupas with the seven jewels, you're looking at it. Nitrin put it into physical form so that we would get this lesson. That scroll, that mandala, is the stupa with the seven jewels. And so each of these people will be, I don't know that consecrate is the right word, they'll be honored though, their dignity honored, after their Buddha extinction. So it could be the the memorial for the dead. could be a ceremony, you know, where we put the name of the individual on a plaque and we put it beneath our butsudan, our stupa. Hmm? And we do a full gongyo and we chant maybe half an hour or more, depending on if it's an individual ceremony that you were doing for somebody that you have led on the path to the buddha way to attain their enlightenment perhaps you spend hours doing it whatever the point is that none of them shall be forgotten they will be greatly honored and that's what he says after the buddha's extinction the buddha says you now the, the buddha of each of those people to whom he's dedicated his time and effort or her time and effort to raise into their Buddhahood, their Buddha path, right? For each, he shall erect a stupa mausoleum whose height shall be, in other words, the grandeur of this, the importance of this, the magnitude of conviction and resolve of this, right? This is no trinket, this is serious business. With a multitude of offerings, you know the garlands, the scented powders, the burning incense, so on and so forth. He shall make offerings, offerings of great gratitude. Hmm? And so he goes on to say, when when he's done doing that, when she's done doing that, they'll start again making offerings to two hundred million myriad of millions of. In other words, this process is endless as long as you're alive. This process just keeps growing. And as you honor those to whom you teach and facilitate, so too do you bring others into your life. In the same way, and shall be able to achieve Buddhahood. So it is through this propagation, as Maudgalyayana behaves as a bodhisattva, through the conversion and the facilitation of others along the path to enlightenment, he or she, because Madaglāyāna is standing in for all of us here, will attain our own Buddhahood fully. And when that happens, name changes are important. I don't know if that's was left over from the end of the last ice age and Vedic or Brahmanic or just Indian culture. It's not strictly Buddhist, but there's a name change here. And his name changed to obviously honor this paradigm shift of being. Becomes this Tamalapak Thrakandana fragrance. I'm not sure what that is, but looks like it's Garcinia and Sandalwood. He'll become a thus come one. She'll become a thus come one. Worthy of offerings. Worthy of offerings. See, whenever this enlightenment is invoked, whether it's uh, fully realized or partially realized, it's always honored the same way because that goal is worthy of support. It's worthy of offerings support respect dignity so all of these epithets for buddha buddhaness his kapa shall be named full of joy ratipurna and his realm shall be named mind pleasing i wonder why it would be named that Its ground shall be flat and even. In other words, living will become easier. It won't seem so arduous because land will be flat. It won't be climbing mountains. Whether you are or not, it's not the physical reality we're talking about here. It's the experiential reality, right? And how long those teachings then, through all those people you've connected with, change their lives, whether they disappear from your life or not, there the reverberation of that path and propagation will extend out to people, persons unknown to you. Hmm? So that's the kalpas, right? This this unknowable period of time by the addition, accumulation of time of these experiences of others. Make sense? At that time, the world-honored one, wishing to restate this meaning, proclaimed Gathas, saying, This is my disciple, great Maudgalyayana, having shed this body, in other words, without being uh, completely in what's the word I'm looking for? Preoccupied with satisfying the skandhas, which are all about pleasing the senses, right? That's our earthly, our mundane, our samsaric drive. So it's not that we get rid of our body. It's that we cease to be controlled by our body, right? We start to take control of our mind instead of our mind being in service to pleasuring the body. Hmm? having shed this body, shall be enabled to see 8,200 myriad of millions of world-honored Buddhas. That's your Buddha, my Buddha, all of our Buddhas. Hmm? The potential in all sentient beings for Buddhana. For the sake of the Buddha path. Because if you don't understand or believe that Every sentient mind has the potential for Buddha, Buddhaness, the experience of complete care, clarity and engagement with the engine of life, then what what path are you putting them on? you know, I'll put you on you know I don't believe that you can play basketball, but you know here's a ball and you can bounce it around and okay, see you later right but if basketball is your goal then there's a different onus a different depth of concern involvement compassion for leading from wherever life condition a person is to that goal right that's why he says um and able to see all these Buddhas for the sake of the Buddha path. Sounds almost backwards, doesn't it? But that's the point. If you understand the potential of every living being, then the path, by skillful means, expedient devices, becomes the method for all no matter where their starting point, where their experience is, to get to there, the Buddha. Hmm? Making them offerings and doing them honor. Before the Buddhas, he shall ever cultivate Brahman conduct and for incalculable kalpas, however long it takes, reverently uphold the Buddha Dharma. After the Buddha's extinction he shall erect stupas of the seven jewels Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, making long displays of golden chatras, parasols, flowers, incense, skillfully played music therewith to make offerings to the Buddha's stupa shrines, having at length perfected the Bodhisattva path in the realm mind pleasing he shall be able to become a Buddha. This is exactly how I paraphrased what we read earlier, only this is why I like the Gathas. They're direct and to the point. To me, they're much easier to understand than the rest. The rest can be a... If you find yourself in the midst of reading a sutra and you're getting a little lost, skip ahead to the Gatha of that same section and it'll clear things up for you. That's my recommendation. Worked for me. Name Tamala Kandana's fragrance. That Buddha lifespan being 24 kalpas ever for gods and men shall he set forth the Buddha path. Voice hearers as incalculable as Ganges' sands. Those who learn. Skavakas, right? With the three clarities and six penetrations, and with great imposing excellence, and bodhisattvas innumerable of firm resolve and earnest effort, which I also just did a sixty second video on, with respect to Buddha knowledge shall be shall all be non backsliders. After the Buddhas' pass the Buddha's passage into extinction. Now he's referring to himself. His true dharma shall abide for 40 minor kalpas. Well, actually, he's referring to the Buddha's, the Buddha of Madhagalayana as the fragrance guy. <laughs> and his counterfeit dharma, the same. My disciples, their imposing excellence perfect, their number 500, shall all be granted prophecies that in ages to come they shall all be able to achieve Buddhahood. My own and all your causes and conditions from former ages I now will tell. All of you listen well. Now we've heard this counterfeit Dharma thing quite a few times. And you must be asking yourself, as I did, what in the hell is this counterfeit dharma? Why would we have a word like counterfeit dharma? Because in the West, of course, counterfeit is a very non-pleasing thing, right? In fact, it's mostly either an illegal thing or at very least a uh, profound deception, right? Everything from counterfeit love to counterfeit money to co- counterfeit just ain't a good thing. But in the history of Buddhism, uh, in fact, not all scholars use the word counterfeit. And they prefer the word semblance. So counterfeit is a little bit more, you would say, uh, a negative connotation than semblance. But semblance also has a meaning of... uh, how shall I say not the real thing <laughs> right? it's just a little uh a little softer maybe um, and I'm wondering if in my where are you oh there we are yes, in my p d f here, I think I have. What did I call it now? Not counterfeit, but the three periods. Because counterfeit is actually identified as a period of teaching, right? Oh, that might be near the top because it's a three. Nope. nope. Must be in the T's. I want to read it from, uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's available now, but it's not completely uh, shaken out. Uh, I still have a lot of typos to clean up and uh, uh, three ages of Buddhism. In three ages of Buddhism, okay, I have the former day of the Dharma, the middle day of the Dharma, and the latter day of the Dharma. But what's most important to this question is that in those times of the Dharma, do I not have it in here? Okay, so I, I haven't updated this all the way yet. So, um, the teaching... Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, in the middle day of the Dharma, which uh, you may know, uh, Tindai divided the teachings of Shakyamuni into five periods. And... Um, In other schools, uh, and even uh, in Tendai, in some instances, uh, the time periods, the teaching periods are divided into either 500 years or 1,000 years. Um, The 500-year period breaks it down more, and I can look that up for you. But for the purposes of this dialogue right now, we'll just look at the three ages of Buddhism, which is the former day, the middle day, and the latter day. You're familiar with those terms, I'm sure, if you've studied Nichiren at all, right? And Nichiren is the progenitor or the protagonist, if you will, of the Mapo, of the later, the age of degeneration of the teachings, right? And the middle uh, age is called the age of semblance or counterfeit dharma. And the former day, the early, the first thousand years, right, of uh, Shakyamuni's teachings is known broadly as the age of the right Dharma. Now, here's something I don't hear people talk about. And unless you research this a lot, you probably won't read it either. Um, When Shakyamuni first started teaching, and truly for the people of a... he, He didn't live a thousand years, right? But for that first thousand years of the propagation of the entirety of his teachings... All fifty years of his including the Lotus Sutra, the level of understanding of the people of a thousand that first thousand years after he passed away, his extinction, hmm? their level, their capacity to understand, meant that studying what was available either orally for hundreds of years, it was just oral, and then later written down, copied down, annotated, or um, what do you call that, what a stenographer does, right? Words are just escaping me left and right these days. I apologize for my decrepitude. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure you'll understand what I mean. In this first thousand years, many people were able to attain enlightenment such as their capacity was from the way they understood the teachings. But as you may also know, and you don't have to be an incredible uh, historian or a student of history, of anthropology, to know that human beings have changed a lot in thousand year periods, yeah? And heck, in the last hundred years, we've just, it's hard to fathom the kinds of things that a young adult today is presented with, number one as far as tools, technology, information, the expectation we now have of an 18-year-old young person to understand the world and to somehow operate within its societal constructs go back 100 years and there's no way they could have dealt with all of this constant barrage of information. Go back another hundred years, another hundred years. Oh my goodness, it's unfathomable. We can't even understand how, or looking at it the other way. You know, when you were born into a family that did certain things, look at India, the caste system you were born the daughter or the son, Well, forget daughter, I mean the misogyny plays a huge role in all this, right? So say you're born a son into a, uh, a, a shoemaker's family. Well, you're never going to be anything more than a shoemaker. You're going to be a tradesman, probably with shoes. If you go outside of shoes, it's not going to be very far outside of shoes. That is your life and your son's life and that son's life you that would <laughs> to to a teenager today that would be death ah no way <laughs> right certainly for the large percentage of them and if you was a daughter well guess what you better prepare to marry yourself off to a cobbler yep you ain't marrying no prince no 3,000-year-old uh, <laughs> no cultural DJ <laughs> or fashion icon. You're going to marry a merchant, a cobbler merchant, somebody who deals in making and selling the product of their own craft. Can you imagine living that way? And and truthfully, it wasn't until quite recent history that, that, you know, the guild practices still alive in in the Netherlands and other countries. Hmm? But today, I mean, it's crazy the kind of things. So then to attain enlightenment with a noble set of samsaric distractions was not that difficult. It was difficult, but it wasn't impossible. However, the next thousand years, civilizations would have advanced to the point where, and this isn't an exact date, right? This is a broad generalization, a thousand years. But the capacity of those people, those civilizations, those distractions, samseric attachments, would make it much more difficult for people to accomplish the Buddha way, the path to enlightenment, too many distractions. It would become unfortunately a time when people would just wrote do the things as ritual, but without the sincerity, the dedication, the time, the heart, the commitment, the confidence. Or even to know what to have confidence in. So far fewer people were able to attain enlightenment, right? And this is why that age is known as the semblance dharma. Because people just did a semblance of practice. And therefore were not very successful. The semblance dharma. The dharma isn't counterfeit. It's the... Practice of the Dharma that was counterfeit, semblance, not truly dedicated, not even understanding what it meant to do that. Everything becomes a game. So how much worse does it get in the latter age? Our age. When everything is instant gratification. Oh, I can't just drop a blue pill and become enlightened? Enlightened. <laughs> uh, uh. How long does it take this blue pill to come on? 10 minutes? Half an hour? Oh my God, I have other things to do. Ah, blah, blah. Right? People can't be bothered. That's the age we live in. And so it's called the age of degeneration. Not because you're a degenerate, not because we're degenerates, but because our commitment has degenerated to momentary satisfaction. We find it really tough to be consistent, to be motivated. Right? To, as I've said in videos before, to really savor this practice. And na, right slowly, the seven jewels... Pronounce them and think about what each of them represents, and really bring, inculcate. I love that word. That thinking, that that sense, that commitment, that confidence of each character into your experience, really instantiate it in your mind of experience, of knowing, of being. Hmm. It's hard because there's so many things wanting to pull us away. The monkeys have grown from a patchwork of a tree full of monkey to an entire grove screaming at us, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's all about me, 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 me. And we're having to focus on this one point, mule hole, because we want to shut them out. But our objective isn't to shut them out. It's to Reach Buddha ness. Open that Buddha eye. I want to open it now. Now. Be impatient. Want immediate gratification. It's okay. That's our condition in this age. But direct it to the Buddha eye. Now you get what Nichiren is saying. And as we've read so many times, Shakyamuni himself single mindedly. Hmm. So, the middle day of the dharma, also known as the age of the semblance dharma, the second thousand years, or 500 years, or two 500-year periods, which only resembles the right dharma. It's not that the dharma resembles the right dharma. It's that the practice, the ownership, the conviction, is just kind of game-playing. And then in the latter day of the age, the degenerate age of the karma dharma, Mapo in Japanese, is to last for 10,000 years, during which the Dharma declines. The Dharma doesn't decline. It's the experience of the Dharma that... The, that's redundant. The experience of Buddha declines because the will, the conviction to instantiate it becomes more and more a, a formalism, right? Right? wear the right, don't wear shoes, sit up, oh, you got to be on your knees. Everything becomes a ritual instead of what the ritual is about. I used to get upset with people in the organizations I was in. Yeah, men, you wear a suit and a tie. I said, my Buddha nature does not revolve around my appearance. Get off of that. Oh, no, no, that's disrespect. Really? Is that why monks have for thousands of years shaved their heads? They, why did they shave their heads? Do you know? Because they were taking one more step. You could say it's a ritual, but the reason they shaved their heads was so they weren't s- slaves to their appearance, to be attractive, to get the attention of the opposite sex. Back to sex, we're back to sex. Yeah, there's, other than being hungry, even hungry for food is less a motivator than the possibility of intercourse. It's crazy how driven we are by that. Actual crazy. So yeah, they shave their heads just to say, I'm not beholden i'm not slavishly following concerned about my mating attraction look i'm leaving that behind very symbolic gesture why do the monks wear robes usually of leftover or or patchwork materials they're not wearing a suit and tie oh i used to get so mad about that <laughs> It's a silly thing, admittedly, but it points to a very critical understanding of Buddhism. But here we are. This is the age wherein people fetishize everything. I don't care about any of those fetishes. What I care about is how I experience life fully. Maybe you'll say I'm just an old hippie. I don't know. Maybe the hippies had a lot of things right. You know, in the United States, the hippies were in the 60s. Well, it wasn't until the 60s that Buddhism really started to flourish in this country. So maybe there was some cross, sorry for the pun, pollination. At any rate, I've gone on and on about this. But I thought I needed to talk about that counterfeit thing, because it... it can be a stumbling block to understanding, right? So it's not the Dharma that was counterfeit. It was the slavish, programmatic formalism put to the practice rather than the dedication of mind, the conviction, right? The resolve. This is, why do you hear Nietzsche talking about it all the time? This very reason. You've got to get serious about your practice, right? And so watch my video on Presence at the Butzidhan. That's all I talk about. The visualizations, tricks you might do to get yourself engaged. And uh, that's the end of that chapter, actually. And we're going to start the seventh chapter, Parable of the Conjured City. Should be a really good one. Oh, great. Mahabhijnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajnajna b- b- <laughs> And those names. Victorious through great penetrating knowledge. Much easier to read. (laughs) Anyway, that's coming up next. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate you guys. Take a few seconds to like and subscribe. It's a Bodhisattva Act because it helps propagate this resource. Which is not just these videos, which are free. But uh, the podcasts, also free. And all the links will be in the description for you know ebooks the the website which has a ton of free material i i just added something else to it too uh i think it may have been on these three yeah it's a more complete document on these three phases or three ages of buddhism so you might it's right near the top uh and so each of those buttons opens up a pdf you can read or download or print right have create your own library of notes for yourself and for uh, teaching aids, discussion aids, if you get together with others, yeah? Um, what else? Oh, yeah, the the bookstore and, of all things, uh, the mandala. The Nichiren-inscribed mandala, right? And in that 60-second video I just did on... Uh, is it on Resolve? Or is the Buddha in Hell? Anyway, Nichiren says in his own words, well, the translation of his own words, that he captured his own life, his own practice and enlightenment in Sumi ink. That's what this mandala is. And he exhorts the person he's writing to to, to have that kind of confidence in this mandala to open their bodhisattva mind and experience Buddhahood. Yeah, So please do that. Please take care of your health. And uh, I will see you in the next one. Thank you so much. Patrons, you know, I'm so beholden to you guys. You're amazing. So thank you for your support. Uh, Keep it up. Stay strong in your practice. And I'll see you again next time. Bye-bye for now.